And after you get done with this 15-minute introduction, you're really going to be freaked out. But it's a very short sermon, actually, which is one of my treats usually on Father's Day. Okay? Some people may argue I should do Father's Day all the time. We're working on it. Uh, I really want to... Do I have the clicker? I don't have my clicker. And could you throw me my glasses, too? Just discuss. It's not in my pocket this time. Okay? Uh, what I want to do is, is I want to introduce, I want to welcome you to this thing that we're doing, which is empowered. Would you just click it back there for now, guys? Would you just show it? You got me? Are we there? Sorry. All right. So empowered really simply is this. Learning how to allow the Holy Spirit to come on you in a way that God can actually move through you to do what only he can do. You get that? The Holy Spirit coming upon you so that God can move through you, so that God can do what only he can do through you. All right? So that's what Empowered is all about. Now, in order to, this is a different sermon than I thought. You remember last week I said I thought I might be doing women's uh, theology on women today, and then I realized that it was Father's Day, and I thought, well, that's a bad idea. So, uh, okay, maybe it wasn't a bad idea, but nonetheless, God seemed to have a different idea. And so the point is, is, is what happened was, is that, again, I, I need to bring everybody up to speed. This will take me just a couple of minutes, and then we can go into what we're doing. But the bottom line is, is that you know that about a month ago, God started talking to us about, as a congregation about what happens when God doesn't show up the way that you need him to or want him to. And, and the way Serenity said it was so beautiful. She said, we know that God can. So when he doesn't, there's a problem. And you could take umbrage against that. Okay, and then we had Alex come here and do that brilliant sermon on how he learned to trust God because God didn't answer his prayers. And then we had a great sermon from VJ, but then we had Serenity come up, and she said something that I think is one of the most memorable things that's ever been said from this pulpit, and that was, God is not your waitress. You do not get to send back your order because you don't like it. Okay? You don't get to tell him what to do. Okay? And the bottom line is, is that I, that led to the sermon that we did last week. And the sermon that we did last week, I want to say, I believe is a word from the Lord. That's how I presented it. That's how I'm asking you to discern it. That doesn't, what we don't do here is tell you a word and then you've got to believe it's a word because I said so. What we say is, I'm offering you what I think to be a word, now you discern it. Okay? Is it a word or not? Right? And the fact of the matter was, is that it was, incredibly well received, meaning people really did bear witness with it in a very strong way. Now, of course, I got a lot, a lot, a lot of feedback. If somebody didn't bear witness with it, of course, you're not as likely to come up and talk to me, all right? But the bottom line is, is we, it was very well received, and if I had to sum it up, it went like this. I believe that the Lord said that, that there is a, it, it's not, I'm not talking end times now. It may be, but I wasn't talking that drastic. But there is that Romans 1, starting at verse 18, that sort of, here's where things are and God protects us. And then as we continue to push him away, it'll ratchet down to where we'll experience more of the consequences of our decisions. So that we might come to repentance. He doesn't do it to judge us in the way of like he's slapping us on the hand. He's saying, if you suffer more of the consequences of your decisions, will you come to repentance? And I believe that just recently we took a shift downward to a new level where I think that the consequences of people's actions will, in fact, be different than they were before. I think people live under a bubble and they've been thinking, what I'm doing must be okay because, because, because. And I think that they're going to find out that there's a difference now. And so that's what I propose to you. That's what you get to discern. And one of the things that I said during that time was, as I said, Thank God that before God does these things, the first thing that he does is, is he warns us. The sovereign Lord never does anything until he reveals his plans to the servants, the prophets. And I meant for that word to be a warning. And the reason why it's a warning to Christians, it's a warning to the entire culture, but they're not listening to me. Let's be, let's be frank, right? The reason why that's really important for Christians is, is that as we talked about, the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household. Now, you can say that what God's doing is slapping us on the wrist because we did something bad, or you can say what I said, which was the reason why God warns us that he's doing something and then does it in his house first is for two reasons. Number one, he's trying to strengthen us. 
so that when things get bad in general, we don't end up peeling away. Number two, he wants us to be more profitable. He wants us to be able to help people that are now going through something. In other words, if we go through something difficult first, we learn something to the point that when somebody else is going through it, we can help them through it, right? So that's what we looked at. And scripturally, this is on point number one. See, this is Malachi. Look, I'm sending my messenger. He'll prepare the way before me. Who's going to be able to endure it when he comes? Does that sound like a pleasant, comfortable thing? This is a problem, right? This is going to be an issue. The reason why God doesn't have us suffer the consequences of our actions is because it's incredibly painful, right? And so he's protecting us from that. And then it ratchets down. So who will be able to endure it when it comes? Who will be able to stand and face him when he appears? For he's like a blazing fire that refines metal. Anybody ever seen metal being refined? Does that look like a sort of picnic time for you? Does that look like green pastures and still waters? Or does that look like you're being led on paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even the valley of the shadow of death? See? And so what he's saying is, it's a strong soap that bleaches clothes. He'll sit like a refiner of silver burning away the dross. When you say that he's got to burn away dross in us, you and me, Christians, when we say that, burning away dross doesn't mean easy. It doesn't mean pleasant. It means that there's something that takes incredible heat in order to finally get dealt with, burned up, and taken out. This is very much along the lines of what VJ was talking about. Okay? God's been saying this. So what he says is, is refining gold and silver so that they once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. The degree to which we're compromised, we don't understand. We looked at that. Now, the second thing that we also looked at is, then you'll be arrested, persecuted, and killed. This is the first thing still. You'll be hated all over the world because you're my followers. Now, this is talking about the end, but do understand, there's minor variations of this. And when I say minor, I mean lesser. I don't mean easy. But there's lesser versions of end time stuff that happens all the time. Right? So, You'll be hated all over because you're my followers. That's happening a lot in the world, people being beheaded. Many will turn away from me and betray me and hate each other. Many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. And I told you last week that if God has got us in seal training, in the seals, you're the best of the best of the best, and over half of them drop out of seal training. God knows you. He knows you fingerprintedly. He knows you uniquely, individually, and personally to the point that he knows exactly how to refine you in a way that you don't end up washing out. But is it tough? Yeah. You got to grow. You got to increase. You got to, right? But he knows how to get his people to the end. Jesus said at the end of his ministry, I thank God I lost none. And God doesn't lose you if he's got you. Right? So, relax in that. It does mean if this stuff is happening, got you. I do want to say something, though. Anybody that ever says that to me, say back to them is one of the times that God refined me a lot, I went to bed every single night saying I can't, or I went to, woke up every single morning saying I can't possibly take any more. And I went to bed every night discovering that I could. Okay? That's what it takes to be changed. It takes getting outside of what you think. It takes getting into what he can do. Right? And he can do this. Am I, uh, do I need to do something different? We just need to, okay. All right, now, and many will turn away and betray me and hate, oh no, and the love of men will grow cold. So, so the first thing he's doing because he loves us is he's strengthening us, right? And the second thing, as we've looked at, is he cuts off every branch. Now, cutting off a branch is not a pleasant thing. Pruning is not a pleasant thing. But, but he, every branch that doesn't produce fruit, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. And in the context of what we're talking about, that's the fullness of what that verse means. Okay? He's talking about pruning something off of you. And here's the point. Pruning is not pleasant to the one being pruned. Something is being cut out of your life so that you may be stronger and more profitable.
See it? Love. God. Equipping. Doing what he does. This is what he said in his Bible. This is what we signed up for. We didn't sign up for happily ever after. We signed up for a journey with him. Okay? So there we go. Now that's what we've been doing. And then here's what happened this week. Like I say, that sermon was bore witness incredibly well. And then as I was talking to people about it through the week, what happened is all of a sudden I started seeing that as this thing started to settle in hearts, it started settling just a little funny. Not wrong, but just a little bit not exactly right. I mean, I, I have this image in my mind of, of you know, when, when you break a bone and you go to the doctor and they set it, but then if you don't, like, pay attention, if you're, not, if you're not careful with that, you can do things and everything else that kind of get it a little bit bent again, and it'll set that way. And that's bad. You do realize that the place where your bone has been set is stronger than the bone around it, right? So think about that one as a good sermon, right? The places where you went through hard things are stronger. That's what we're talking about. But you don't want it to set funky. You don't want it to set with a curved arm. So there does come a time when God might need to come in and just kind of do a little cracking and get it, make sure that it's straight so that it comes out right. And I felt like some things were settling in ways that could pretty easily get a little bit out of shape. And I'm going to use one example of somebody that will not care that I'm using this because he got it from the very beginning. But I was talking to somebody, and we were having a great conversation about the sermon and everything else, and then the person said this. They said, I have a sermon, but after your sermon on Sunday, I don't think I can give it because of how my life is. Now, I did two things when that person said that, and they did too. They understood it. But I did two things. One was, Praise God that they understand how whack their life is. C.S. Lewis in this morning's reading says it this way. Aslan, Aslan is the lion that is Jesus, right? Aslan says, Bree, of one of the characters, in a shaken voice, it's a horse actually, I am, I'm afraid I must, rather, I must be rather a fool. To which Aslan replies, happy is the horse who knows that while he's still young, or the human either. You gotta know who you are. The thing that I loved about what that person said was this. Okay? Now listen to this. This tension. The idea of tension and God having you in a place of tension. By that I do not mean stressed out tension. Like, oh my God, I'm so freaked out. What I mean is, is that there's one idea and then there's another idea. And we live in the tension. The, we live in the gap between two truths. You have to hold on to the tension of this side and this side in order to keep it right. And that's what we're trying to do right now. We're trying to set the bone straight by having us live in a tension between two truths. And the two truths are, in this particular example, is if we don't know we're unworthy to speak, we shouldn't be speaking. <laughs> if you think you're standing up here at some point in time because you're holy and you're great and you're awesome and you've got something to say that everybody needs to hear, you're the last person that should be standing up here, right? And when they're choosing a pope, the old saying is, pope walking in there thinking they should be pope, then they're not because they don't understand that nobody should get to be pope. But then there's the other truth, which is, it's only when we truly know that we're unworthy to, that we can truly speak for God. You see it? I stand back there and pray when the worship is going on every single week and the prayer team prays for me. And after they get done praying for me, I say the same thing every single week, and here's what it is. Real simple. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. If your holy coal comes and burns out of me what would pollute what you want to say, then we stand a chance of hearing actually what you want to say. If you don't burn it out of me, then I'll add a whole bunch of stuff to it, and it'll pollute your word. So you need to burn it out of me. But not only that, I pray, God, burn it out of everybody that's listening to it so that anything that would impede it from going down in and taking root and bearing a hundredfold fruit, anything that would impede that, burn that away too. And then I say this, not because we're worthy do we want you to speak today, not because we earned it or we deserve it. It's because we're so desperately in need of you speaking. That's why we need you to speak. You see the heart? You see how it's backwards in God? 
How, it just is, you see what I mean? It just, you know, the, the, the humble are the ones that are exalted. The, you see what I mean? The ones that know their conditions are the ones that can actually speak for God. So that's what we're dealing with today. And, and I want to propose to you that it's not just that one person talking to me about, you know, this tension between I'm not worthy to speak, and yet because they know they're not worthy, they're worthy. Not worthy, but they're able to. But it's not just that. There's other people that I talk to, and, and you could hear a little fear. If things are going to get tough, I don't know if I can take it. I don't know if I can do it. Despite I said that God's got you and he'll carry you, but it's going to be difficult. But a little fear. And, and I would say that you could probably, if I opened it up, there'd probably be about 15 or 20 different reactions, all of which were letting a word that God spoke to us last week settle in a way that wasn't exactly lined up to what he wants so that it might just get kinked a little bit in the setting and today what God wants to do is he wants to straighten it out so that we enter into what God is doing the way he wants us to because that's the way that's going to lead to big strong tall strength and so on so that's what we're doing and as I told you that was a long introduction but I told you it's a short sermon and I promise you it is so who's our prayer today Zach well well, since Zach was the guy I was talking about, you'd be the perfect guy to pray for the sermon now, wouldn't you, Zach? <laughs> Love your heart, Zach. Pray for another church, too. Oh, Father. Uh, we come before you this morning. Uh, we need you. We need you in your fullness. Again, God, burn away the, the dross and the, the stuff that's polluting us from hearing. I pray for this sermon. I pray for the message that, that our pastor has. I pray that it would uh, permeate our hearts and, and bring us to a new place in our relationships with you. And I'm supposed to pray for a church, and I, I just want to pray for uh, our churches in America in general, all over Amen. the world. But here, God, something's going on. We need you. Amen. Um, we need the... Um, the elect to not be deceived. We need for us to hear you. Um, make us the people you want us to be. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Beautiful, Zach. Just perfect. Love how God leads every single part of our service. Now, when I'm going I'm to say a few things, and then we're going to have a, a discussion. When I got to the beginning of this week, I didn't know what I was going to do this week, and then I started having these conversations that felt like God was telling me, do what I'm doing right now. But because I was uncertain about it, at staff, I took their valuable time, and I ran this by them and asked them to please listen to what I think I'm supposed to say today and tell me if I'm right or not, because I need help discerning it, right? And... They got done hearing what I'm about to say. And at the end of it, uh, while we were talking, JJ said this really cool thing. She said, Kurt, this is the master's class you've been telling us about. Now think about that. How long have I been talking about we're going into a master's class? We did chapters one through nine, and we understood them to be a college class. College meaning watch and learn. Disciples in Luke watched Jesus do what he did, and they learned from it. Their worlds got bigger and everything else, but they weren't doing it. When we hit chapter 10, he sends them out. And now we've gone into the master's level where he's starting to teach us. Now think about this. Think about how cool this is. When, we started, when I started talking master's class, this was before the end of the year. I didn't know anything about a new season coming. I didn't know about a shift coming. I didn't know about any of that. But I started talking about God is going to get you in the game, in a way, this congregation. I've been saying, we're going through the same thing he took the disciples through. Why? Because he's discipling us too. And so if we went from college seeing to having to do, that's a big deal. And now look, here we are. We're still in chapter 11. And here God is putting us in a master's class where we're having to experience things. We're, what, that's the argument I'm making, is that you're going to experience things that are going to teach you things, that are going to train you up, that are going to raise you up in order how to become more profitable and more solid, right? 
that's master's level. You in the game now. Okay? So I just want to say that as in, if you don't, if, you know, I say all the time, I think that the Lord is leading us on a journey in a very intimate and real way. I look at this and I say, I couldn't have planned that. I think God did this. And he's got us in this master's level class. So now, if we're in a master's level class, the difference between master's and college is precisely what you need to do. See, you got to start carrying the load. You got to start carrying the weight. You got to start doing stuff. Well, there's a tension. A tension in Christ. And here's what the tension is. It's God coming on you to move through you to do what only he can do. So where was I in that? See? Other than get, a heck, get the heck out of the way. You see it? If, if, if I'm in a master's level class and I'm needing to learn what to do, but yet only God can do it, what am I supposed to do in this master's level class? Do I need to learn how to heal people better? Because I can tell you right now what you cannot do. Heal somebody the way God does. You can be a doctor and help somebody and heal them that way. Praise God for that, right? But you cannot just touch them and have them get healed the way God, the creator of all, can do that, right? In fact, it turns out with all the gifts of the Spirit, you can't do this. These are the gifts of the Spirit. Now, this, just watch the language here. Look, to each is given, not to each has, residing within you in the way that you were born, and it's your genetics and your DNA and so on. To each is given a manifestation, the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You're given a manifestation to help somebody else. Always remember this. The gifts of the Spirit are not for you. They're to go through you to help somebody. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. Now here's something. I, you know, there's, there's some really smart people in here. Doug Thorson is, I'm just going to, you're going to hear Doug preach one of these days, and, and that's just, he's going he's gonna to hate me. <laughs> so you need to start praying for me, okay? But this morning, I felt like, again, Doug quickened me, or God quickened me about Doug and speaking in front of it, because this is a guy that has such wisdom. I, I just want to, I literally want to get close to him and just rub and see if some of that wisdom will rub off on me. Okay? Doug's got a lot of wisdom experience. He can help you. He can really help you. But here's what Doug can't do. The kind of word of wisdom that God can give that just changes everything. In a minute. That's not Doug. Doug, Doug I know one of the reasons why Doug is so wise is because he knows it's not Doug, and so he's asking God, I must decrease, he must increase, so he's asking God to speak through him and bring a word of wisdom to somebody. And then God does, and then it makes all the difference. Uh, here's another one. Utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. The, the idea behind there would be knowledge that you couldn't have known about. So how can you help? Okay? Uh, to another faith by the same spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one spirit. Healing, not that medical kind, but that instantaneous God making an eye that, or a person that was born lame stand up or an eye that never did see, see. It speaks... Okay? The woman of the issues of blood, and she'd wasted all of her money on doctors, and none of them could do it. And then in an instant, she was healed. You can't do this. To another, the working of miracles. Miracles are, by definition, some stuff you can't do. <laughs> if you can do it, it ain't a miracle. <laughs> right? That's the definition. If it happened and you couldn't do it, it was God who did it. Okay? Pretty much. Okay? To another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish, distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. Watch. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And if you're reading the proper Greek and the verb tense in there, what it, do, what it doesn't mean is you have wisdom and you have knowledge and you keep it. It means at any one period of time, you have wisdom and you give it, and then you have wisdom and you give it, and then you have a healing, and then you have a miracle, and then you have a... And the Spirit just gives through anybody whatever God wants to do. That's the sense of this. Right? So, if we're in a master's class, how am I... What am I supposed to do? <laughs> 
See, if I'm not working on how to do healing better, what am I doing in my master's class? Well, I'm going to have somebody talk to you about what you do in your master's class. And in a way that is difficult, for those of you who don't know, this is my brother Dave, who passed away a month and then about a week ago. And this is at a retreat in Montana, the east gate of Yellowstone. And it is a retreat for mere ministry folks. And that's the ministry that Dave runs and still runs, or Dave doesn't, but we are, but in Russia, okay? And so Dave is talking, and John Mickus is the coolest guy you've ever met in your entire life. If you haven't met him yet, we're going to bring him here and whatever. But the bottom line is, is, is Mickus just pulled out his camera, and in a way that he does, he started recording Dave talking. And I think Dave knew he was being recorded on this one. There was another one that he's got that Dave doesn't know he's being recorded. And it's just unbelievable, the things he's saying. I mean, this, is, this happened about two months before he passed. So this is right towards the end of his life. And, and there's two segments I'm going to show you. And the first one is, they've, Jackson is down here, Grand Tetons are here, Jackson is here, and then Yellowstone's here, and then Eastgate is up here. So you've got to go through Yellowstone to get to Eastgate. And Dave is talking about a trip that he and John took one time through Yellowstone late at night, where it was dark. And he's gonna, as you're gonna hear, what he was talking about is driving up to all these places, like there's all kinds of geysers, you know, in Yellowstone, but they go off at intervals that you know, you'd have to wait for them to go off. But he said it was this magical trip where every time they got to some place, that particular attraction did what it does right when they got there. But now, I gotta set up the thing for you. Here's the reason why I wanna share this to you. Dave is somebody who I think understood the master's class, and it's actually in the second clip. In the first clip, I want to show you a guy who had actually gotten it wrong. Dave was a striver. Dave was an NCAA athlete, so he knew how to work hard. Dave was a guy who did first ascents on mountain where you drop in food. If you don't get to the food, you die. And Dave actually made a phone call thinking that they couldn't find their food, and he made a phone call from a peak telling my older brother Jim to tell the folks that he was going to die, and sorry, you know? So the, Dave was a striver. He goes into Belarus, which is a communist country, and he wants to bring all kinds of freedom. Can you imagine how much he was withstood by the government? But not just the government, the local churches said the kind of worship you're bringing is of the devil because it talks about the joy of the Lord, and we here on earth are not supposed to experience joy, just hardship, until we die, and then heaven is joy. So the local pastors, the Christian church was against him. So Dave had to fight all the time. To do the ministry that he had to do, he had to fight all the time. Do you get it? He had to fight, 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 strive, 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 See? And what happened was, is that he got to a certain place to where that whole spirit kinked him. It made him something that he didn't like, and it wasn't God. We're talking about a tension between what God does and what you're supposed to do. And this is the first thing of this where he got into a place that wasn't cool. Now watch. cool thing that Peter said from he learned. There's two things that we have to do. Hold it. Jesus is the, Jesus, like Dave Neville, Jesus knows... First of all, that's the second clip. Oh, this cannot be. Uh, it's in the PowerPoint. Pull it out of the PowerPoint. There's two videos. That's the second one. Okay. Yes, he's sitting in both of them. They're right in the same conversation. I'm sorry. This is. This is. Did we, we need to test these things? Could we, next time? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to get it. And unfortunately, I didn't put this one up in OneDrive. So, okay. every place that we go, it's a miracle. Right when we get there, the geyser goes up. Like, right. they're, they're everywhere in Yellowstone, but they... 
you, you know, you have to wait. This one right. goes every 45 right. minutes. This one goes Time. every right. Right. 20 Time. minutes. Yeah. Every place. And we couldn't even see it. All we knew was the stars suddenly would be gone by the, mm -hmm. the geyser. And this is again it's and again. And like, like John's like a little kid, and he says to me, he says, don't you think God is in heaven right now? Just laughing at how happy we are. And I realized I, I was not thinking like that. In my mind, my, the God in my brain had kind of changed. And he wasn't a God that wanted to bless. He wasn't a God that gave good gifts. You know what I mean? It was like it had changed. And I recognized, wow, I've kind of, I've kind of slipped. And I want to... I want to be like that again, you know? Yeah, yeah, they, I want to be like that again. And you are. And he kind of, he, he did bring me back Thanks there. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely like did. Yeah. I actually saying, believe you know? it does make him happy. Mm -hmm. Like like Peter said, we went snow machining and he's like, he Peter gets a sermon out of this about how snow machine, how Dave and Bill mm -hmm. took us to the top. Isn't that just like Jesus? But then he said, don't you think Jesus, when we get to the top of the mountain, Jesus is happy, laughs like, like Dave Neville. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you made it. Boy, I wish you could see him. And we're going to work on this. I'm stalling for just one second, okay? Because uh, we're going to try and re-download it, all right? Uh, did, you, did you catch what he was saying? He was saying, in all the work that I did. Now, how many of you as Christians have ever felt this before, Right? You do so much, and you strive, and you work, and you, you, you see what I'm saying? And you do all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden, in a way that you didn't even know was happening, you start losing your first love. You start losing the joy of the Lord. You start losing the idea about how happy God is to bring you into a trip where the geysers are going off right when you get there. Or how happy he is when you get to the top of a mountain and you look around at his glory. You start losing that that's what God's about. Has anybody ever had that happen? Right? I mean, has this happened? Okay? So, the thing that I want us to, the thing that I want us to grab and, and to get into our hearts is, is that this is Dave talking about how I, got, I was in a place where I was striving. Where I was in a place where I was, there was all of this stuff, and, and when things didn't work out the way that I needed them to, I was so striving, and I was so inside an agenda, and everything else, and I felt like, why didn't God do that for me? Why didn't God get that right? Why didn't God do that? It seemed like that should have happened. So maybe God doesn't really actually, maybe he's not as much fun. Maybe he's not as on my side. Maybe he's not. You see what I'm saying? And, and I'm telling you, if you really are going after the things of God, I had, a, I had an experience early on in seminary. And they had a class, one class on how to be a pastor. Boy, was that a mistake. Uh, there ought to be, all seminary ought to be nothing but how to be a pastor because that's the hard part, okay? The theology turns out to be easy. But what they did was is that they went, they went through and what the guy was telling us was is he was saying, I want you to, he said, I want you to know before this class starts, the real purpose of this class is going to be to try and teach you how to not hit burnout. Okay? Is something happening behind me? Oh, no. Sorry, it's up here. Thank you, guys. But he said, he said the whole class is going to be trying to teach you how to never hit burnout. But then he said, I want to tell you before the class starts the truth. If you never hit burnout, you probably weren't called. You see it? So if you're really going after the things of God, as many people in this room have done, there is this thing that happens where you get to a certain place and, and all of a sudden the joy of the Lord is not your motivation. Yes, it's still love, but you have a job to do. And you got to get the job done. And, and it just starts to see the bone, the bone is kinked. It's not set right. And so what God is trying to do, what he's always doing in our lives, is he's trying to reset and now listen to what Dave was saying to reset to it wasn't harder work it was know that I love you know that I take joy in what you take joy in 
you're going through something and it's, it's a big deal and all that kind of stuff and, and, and then you get to the top and you get a chance to rejoice and God is saying, I'm rejoicing with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? You did this and I'm rejoicing with you. Okay? Now, could you guys just give me a quick little guesstimate? Please do. Just give it a shot. If it works, then we can stop it and start it again. Okay? That would be the first one. I need the second one now. So every place that we go, it's a miracle. There you go. Now, thank you. you. The cool thing that Peter said from, he learned there's two things that we have to do. Now, would you just pause it right there and could you go back to the beginning? Jesus. Thank Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you. Okay? All right. Now, I want you to hear. Now, now, this is the guy who learned that striving and to get back into his joy. And now, as a true master student, he's telling you this is all it is. It's not all that other stuff you might think. It's just really simple. Go ahead, guys. Thank you. You know, the cool thing that Peter said from learned there's two things that we have to do Jesus is the Jesus like Dave Neville Jesus knows how to do the snow machine he'll get us to the top that's his responsibility you can't make it happen it's his responsibility but there is two things we need to do the first thing we need to do is say yes okay I'll go it none of it happens if you don't if you don't go and the other thing is, you actually, we were talking about this, but you actually do need to grow a little bit as, you, as you're going. He takes you, he trains you. There has to be some growth for you. You cannot end the trip the same person that you began the journey. You, you, it is required of you that, that you learn, that you grow. He's patient. He's a good trainer. By the time Peter finished the trip, he was driving twice as fast and not wrecking as when he began. It is required. It is required. So when you say that it's required to grow, you need to be willing to grow, or it's just part of the, it's going to happen? Well, I'll give you an example. When God delivered Israel from Egypt... I heard a great sermon, I'll never forget it. It was God speaking to me. And remember, Israel was always complaining, always complaining when they were leaving Egypt. But if you look very carefully at the text, he wasn't mad at them at first. They were just getting to know him. They were just learning about him. He didn't get mad. But later on, when they should, they saw the 10 miracles they saw miracle after miracle after miracle, and later on, and then they were still complaining. Then he did begin to get angry. They did not learn. They, 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 were, they were not growing. Come on. And it's actually the same thing with Jesus. Uh, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, there's an interesting verse where he cries. It's the only time in Scripture where he cries. And if you actually do a word study around those words, he's angry. He's not heartbroken. How could he be? He's going to raise Lazarus. He's actually angry. Why? And if you do a word study on the place where he is, whenever he went to Jerusalem, this is the place that he that he rested. He spent and he slept there. Then he would go back to Jerusalem and minister. Then he would come back. These people at that place. That's an avalanche that happens. These people knew him better than anyone else. It's at the end of his life. He's just about to go to Jerusalem and be crucified. If anyone should have or could have known that he could raise Lazarus, it was those people. It was Martha and Mary. And yet still, he shows up and they're still crying and nobody goes, oh boy, Jesus is here. Watch this. Hit the next guy. I can't wait to see what he's going to do with this. You know, at some point, he had the right to expect people that to they would be expecting yeah. something, that there would be something. But after three years, all the miracles up, the work, after the teaching, something goes wrong, and everybody's pulling their hair out and crying. And 
screaming, no difference. And he's actually, do a word study, he's actually, the, the two words are frustrated and angry. So I'm just saying, along the journey, you start this journey with him, you don't know anything, doesn't bother him, doesn't bother him one bit. And you learn and you learn and you're growing. But it, as you go on the journey, first the thing that's required is that you say yes and let him take you. And the second thing is, you actually have to grow a little bit. Don't you think? Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. You don't want to finish the same person as you began. Yeah. <laughs> I lost it so bad when I edited those clips. We were going to do a discussion. We're not going to now because I took the week and thanks. We're, we're good, but... But I just, I just want to say yes and then grow. Know that as he's growing you, he's wanting something out of you that's going to make a difference in you, in others. He's trying to do something. When we, when we did this at staff, we had a conversation, and Amy Iwasaki said that she was the first one to speak, I think. And what she said was, is she said, the cool thing is, is, the stuff that God goes you in that's painful is worth it. <laughs> it takes you to incredible places that you didn't know were there. Everything that I'm going after, can I just make a, can I make a correlation between something? I think that when God is trying to take you someplace that you don't know, that it's got to be a painful transition. Doesn't have to be, have to be, but we're locked into what we're locked into. That's what he was talking about, those people that he would stay with, Mary and Martha and her brother, and, and he would stay with them. And why didn't they, after knowing him that long and the, all the things that he did, why didn't they know? Because he had told them. Remember, at, some, at one point in time, he said to them, didn't I tell you <laughs> that you'd see him again? Oh, we get in heaven. No. See, he was saying, you should know better now. You should be in a different place now. And in order to get to that place, we have to lose the moorings. We have to lose the, the, the baggage. We have to lose the, the reality in which we are encased, encompassed and encrusted so that we can be broken out into something new. But look at this now. That's the hard work of your master's class. I, I've done a master's before. There's other people in here that have done doctors and so on. You know how stinking hard they are. How would you like to, you can get a master's and all you gotta do is say yes and grow. Right? Good deal. <laughs> this is all he's saying. What he's saying is, in the end, I'm the one that's gonna do the snow machine, get you up to the top of the mountain. I'm the one that's responsible for the healings. I'm the one that's responsible for the ministry. I'm the one that's responsible for all the good stuff that's gonna happen. All I'm asking of, of you is, is that you become a better vessel so that I can go through. And all you have to do to do that is say yes and let him grow you. <laughs> let him grow you. Now, you see what I'm trying to do? There's no fear in this. There's no wondering about whether I'm worthy enough. There's no anything else all of a sudden. There's just a process, a journey, an embracing of the journey that God has us on that he might set the bone properly so that it can take the weight of what it is he's wanting to do through you. Right? This is easy. In fact, let me tell you what a great Father's Day sermon this is. Watch. Anybody ever watch America's Got Talent? Okay, my daughter got me onto it. Okay, and there's all these good stories. It makes you cry a lot of times. I like that. Okay, but but they did it. They did. Uh, they did America's Got Talent Extreme Edition. And can I just say something? I've got a new phrase that I'm thinking in my mind. Guys are awesome. Guys are awesome. Guys are awesome. In this extreme edition, they got guys flying on motorcycles 40, 50, 60 feet in the air, and they are literally pushing the bike away from them when they're 60 feet in the air. And then they float back down and catch the bike and land it. And they're spinning it all the way around and bringing it all the way back, and it's just unbelievable. And then they got another guy who's jumping out of a helicopter and opening his chute like, you know, a half an inch from the ground. 
You know what I mean? So he's still coming in hot, you know? A base jumping, you know, kind of a guy. And then they got a guy. Oh, I love this guy. This guy literally became a human fireworks display. He got a helmet and a uniform, like, like padding, and he hooked up the things that you would blow off of barges to his body and his head. And then they lit him on fire. And he walked around and he was pew, pew, boom, boom, pew. And he's just, he's this human fireworks display. Guys are awesome. Then there's a guy, th th this, was, this was the greatest one. There's a guy and a crew of guys, right? There's not just one guy. This is how stupid we are and how awesome we are. Then what he does is, these guys, they all dress up in like stuff they bought from the dime store to protect themselves. And then they get in this little bitty bus and then they drive this bus like 60 miles an hour off a ramp into two standing buses so that they just go boom and hit these buses like, like 20, 30 feet up in the air with this other bus. Who thought to themselves, I'm going to hit buses with buses in the air? I mean, who thinks of that kind of stuff? Guys are awesome. Okay? If it weren't for guys doing that kind of stuff, there's all kinds of stuff that we wouldn't have that is good in our lives. Because sometimes guys figure out how not to kill themselves, and then we learn something too. Okay? But bottom line is, it's just guys being guys. Now we're talking about tension today. So think about guys being guys doing that kind of nonsense, and then think about Father's Day. Because here's what, here's what if, women, if you don't understand this yet, Welcome to your brand new marriage. But, but here's, here's what a guy wants to do on Father's Day. Nothing. Their whole life is something. Okay? And they don't want to dig a hole and they don't want to fill a hole. They don't want to repair a shingle. They don't want to clean a gutter. Love you. They don't want to go to the zoo. Okay? This is the day they don't have to go to the zoo. Okay? What a guy, thank you, see? What a guy wants to do on Father's Day is nothing. Amen. And there's the tension. And there's the tension. See? Because what God is doing is he's wanting you to go jump off cliffs. To grow in ways that are risky and scary and dangerous. But he's also wanting you to chill. He's wanting you to relax. He's not wanting you to stress. He's wanting you to enjoy. This is the perfect Father's Day message. This is the tension that we live in as dads. The stuff that we need to do and we do. And the chill part. They both have to be in your life. That's the master's class. God's doing all the heavy lifting and the hard work. Just say yes and be willing to grow and I'm going to add one thing to my brother and then that's it. Be with people. Now, Dave didn't bring that up. Why? Because Dave was always with people. And a little secret about Dave, he didn't like being with people all the time. But he learned something as he grew in the Lord. And what he learned was, is if you want to do ministry, hang out with people. If you want to do ministry, don't make them your project. Because nobody wants to do a project. Fall in love with them to where you like being with them. And then when you're with them, God can give you a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or faith or miracles or healings. You see it? Just fall in love with people. Just be with them. Hang out with them. Fall in love with them. Just go to the mountains and go skidooing and go through the Yellowstone National Park. Just go be with people. And God, who is God, will show up and do things through you. Boy, this ministry thing is really hard. It's really hard when we do it wrong. And it's onerous, and then we think we need a rest from it. But when we do it right, it's awesome. It's the best things of life. Lord, in Jesus' holy and precious name, thank you. Praise you praise you that you have made your burden easy you have made your yoke light 
Yeah, we do pick up our cross daily. We do say yes. We do grow. We do fall in love with people and let ourselves be in situations to fall in love with them. But bottom line, thank you, God, for making your cross light, easy, loving, wonderful, incredible, the best thing ever, so worth it. In Jesus' holy and precious name, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let us learn what it is to really be masters of what it is you're trying to teach us. Let us learn that you're the only one that can do it, so quit trying to replace you. There's no vacancy in the Trinity, so we don't try and fill one. And at the same time, God, thank you for making it so easy to participate with you. So loving even if painful. Thank you, God. Reach down in front of you and there's two cups. In the bottom cup is this bread. The body that Jesus broke for us because we were so stinking broken. We, we broke ourselves so badly. And in Jesus' holy and precious name, we recognize that Jesus took all that brokenness on himself, allowed himself to be broken on that cross, that we might be healed. So take your finger and go down in there and break that. Thank you, Lord. I recognize that I broke my life. I recognize, we recognize what we've done. And that, in Jesus' holy and precious name, we lift up that by your stripes you healed us and made us whole. Thank you, Jesus. Take together, would you please? And now in Jesus' name, we lift this cup in which is the shed blood of Jesus Christ that, he, that was shed right after he said, it is finished. And we recognize that this thing you want to do in us, whether we're guys or women or anybody, this master's level class that you want us in is already done. We just need to enter. So by your strong right arm, by your grace, by your mercy, you take us in there, Lord, as only you can. And we lift this cup and we say, God, it is finished in my life too, meaning make it be in my life. Say that as you take it. <laughs> 